Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I am your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, joined by publisher Adam Jacoby and, of course, our managing editor, Ross Binder, here on this, is it Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) On this Tuesday evening, here to recap a little bit of what we got today from new offensive coordinator Tim Lester, as well as Kirk Ferentz and Seth Wallace, as well as some recruiting news and some other staff news that uh, we were made aware of this afternoon. So, Adam, I'll start with you. Takeaways, main takeaways. Let, let's let's say that. Main takeaways or takeaway from today's presser in uh on campus at, at Iowa and, and talking with, with Tim Lester, Iowa's new OC. Yeah. You know, I was really impressed and we're going to have an article coming out later tonight with this point. But the thing that impressed me the most about Tim Lester was that he wasn't Brian Ferentz. And I think that is something that I, that sounds like an insult, but I mean, Iowa fans did not want to see Brian Ferentz 2.0 because they didn't want to see the Brian Ferentz offense 2.0. And what we got out of Tim Lester at his press conference today was it one, a different personality, but two, a different approach to what an offense ought to look like, what the role of an offensive coordinator ought to look like, et cetera, et cetera. And Lester's big thing was, finding out his players' strengths, guiding the entire offense toward them, whatever that might look like, right? And, you know, ultimately making these things simple for the players and, you know, making it look not simple to the defenses, but making it simple for the offense, understanding what the defense is going to give them in terms of, like, what reads to make, what the progressions are. All of it seemed very teaching focused and dependent on the talent that he had in front of him. And that sounds probably pretty normal to most fans of most teams. It does not sound normal to Hawkeye fans after, we'll just say it, the Brian Ferentz era. And... Coach Lester also mentioned a lot about... uh, Elliot, we can talk about the RBO uh, portion of it uh, as well as the RPO, but he said RBO, which was relationships before opportunity. And that to Coach Lester meant, you know, growing those relationships with the players that he's got and, you know, finding out what is going to succeed for them and then building around that as opposed to, guys, how many times did we hear the, the quarterback needs a year and a half to learn the playbook or, you know, we just need to execute this certain offense better with these certain things. And it really does seem like Tim Lester doesn't subscribe to the, there's one playbook, there's one way to succeed, et cetera, et cetera. It really seemed like a breath of fresh air. Uh, Elliot, is that your read too? Yes. And for a variety of reasons. Um, the first thing that stuck out to me during his initial statement was we're going to be a football team that's physical, disciplined, and aggressive. 
keyword aggressive. That is the exact opposite in every single facet of the way I would have described the offense prior to Tim Lester. It's I don't make a mistake. That's what it's, 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 but I'm still throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball. That's what the offense has been for. Well, at least my year on the beat. That's what it was this season. Definitely. Especially without your starting quarterback of, of course, Deacon Hill had had a tough year. We don't need to rehash that, but it's aggressive. It's the two A's aggressive and adjust, adjust adjustments, changes, all of that. And and not trying to fit a square pe- peg in a round hole by saying, here's the offense, here's the players. Just put the players into it. They'll figure it out. No, you tailor the offense to what you have on the field, what these guys are good at. And as opposed to a, uh, what, what was the phrase he used? Something about master of none. Adam, do you remember what I'm talking about? I have the... I have the uh, or Ross. Do you remember Jack, Jack of all trades, master of yes. none? Is that it? Yes. Um, he said, uh, <laughs> "I've got 600 pages of pass plays in there in his playbook. Figuring out what he's good at, paid, and getting good at something. Jack of all trades, master of none is not what we are not what we need to be. We need to figure that out so we can get really good at something. Yes, 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 yes." <laughs> And much like RPOs, this is all just like, welcome to 2017. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I, he, he mentioned RPOs. He mentioned um, tempo. He mentioned there was there was something else in there. It started with a C. I can't remember. Um, geez, I'm really all over the place, you guys. Um, but well, his his exact quote for the um, discipline. Um, I've got it here. He says, we're going to be disciplined and we're going to be aggressive in everything we do, or we're going to be a physical football team. We're going to be disciplined and we're going to be aggressive in everything we do from run game to pass game, to keepers, to RPOs, to tempos. All of that is on the table now. And that didn't just feel like fan service. That felt like an acknowledgement that, you know, if it's going to help this team win, it's on the table. If it doesn't, then it doesn't have to be part of the offense. And again, that just feels like such a departure from the labyrinthine approach to offense that was clearly, obviously, everybody knew it, not working. This, at the very least, feels like it's got a veneer of sanity to it. And again, that's a low bar, but it clears the bar. And, and and that is a little bit new for Iowa fans. So, you know, if Iowa fans are able to, you know, sort of get past who Tim Lester isn't, what he was able to communicate here, and, and really all you can communicate, all, all, all the ways you can win in early February, he did it. I thought he did it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm right there with you. And the thing too, and we'll get to Ross, I promise, is he did it all with a level of humility that we haven't seen from an offensive coordinator in Iowa City for a while. Do with that information what you will. I'll I'll, I'll stop myself right there. Um, it's it's a willingness to 
learn to mold to create. It's about the progress. And, you know, guys, we've we've done some research. I'm doing this. Uh, I'm, I'm going a deep dive on RPOs and instructed by um, by uh, by Lester on a site at the moment. And the amount that he talked about in this to this point in this teaching session of instilling confidence into the quarterbacks, you instill the confidence first. So they feel comfortable talking to you about what they see, making adjustments. We got to talk about stuff in game. They're confident about doing it then. But if you're that's the thing about RPOs, you can't be um, it can't be analysis paralysis. It has to be bang, 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 because you're making calls at the line. You're making you're making reads. And so he is very, he very much emphasizes confidence and and he's all it's it's a confident humility that he brings to the table as far as you can tell from from talking with the guy just really impressed in a lot of ways ross what what were your thoughts on on uh tim lester yeah i mean i definitely agree with what you and adam both said about lester you know i thought he was very impressive um you know the point that he's not brian like i think that's true in in a lot of ways you know in his demeanor in his uh, the way he interacted with the press, the way he described, you know, the offense and the role of the coordinator and, you know, how to work with players. Like it was all just very different than what we have heard out of that position and that role for the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, and so obviously that was, you know, refreshing, uh, especially because it was, you know, saying a lot of things that everyone has just wanted to hear for a long time. And like Adam said, it was stuff that just is a recognition of like football reality and like football sanity. And, you know, it's, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here, but it's like, you know, Iowa fans have been drowning on offense for the last few years. And this felt like actually breaking, you know, getting your head above water and being able to like take in some actual breaths of air and, and just breathe and like, wow, you know, this actually makes sense now. I can, we can move forward maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how he goes from, from this, you know, this stage of talking about, uh, you know, what he wants to do, what his plans are. And then, you know, the implementation, you know, like, he mentioned several times, you know, he literally just got here. He was hired, you know, last week. He spent the weekend, like, just getting to Iowa City, moving. And you're, you're starting to move, probably, not even actually moving. Hasn't even, you know, talked to or met a lot of the players on offense. So, you know, he, he has a, a steep learning curve to figure out, you know, what are these guys good at? But I think the encouraging thing from this session was – he really wants to figure that out and then design the offense around that. So, you know, what Caleb Brown is good at, what Seth Anderson is good at, what Luke Lachey is good at, you know, design the offense to emphasize their strengths and, you know, make sure that what I was trying to do on offense are things that they're capable of and things that they can do really well. And I think that's not what we've seen on offense for the last few years. We've seen like, like you mentioned, a lot of square pegs trying to fit in round holes. And, you know, we have to do this because this is what we've done and this is just the way we do it. And it's like, well, you know, maybe we don't have those blocking receivers or maybe we don't have, you know, 
this or that. And we can't do it that way. And I was like, nope, we're just going to do it this way because that's the way we do it. And I didn't get that sense from Tim Lester at all. Tim Lester was very much, uh, we're going to do what actually works or figure out what we think will work and, and lean towards that. So yeah, anything we get in that direction is going to be, you know, a huge breath of fresh air. Because you said that, Ross, I just feel the need to imitate the square peg in the round hole again. Just <laughs> this is bad podcasting. Sorry, guys. This is why you watch on YouTube. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe. Drop a uh, get to... comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Like as well. Give us a like. <laughs> in spite of that, give us a like. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Because yeah. um, if it, if it's audio only, like that might get us demonetized. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. so one 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 thing that I will add to this conversation is that the nice thing about what Lester wants to do in terms of finding out his players and strengths is, you know, that's more than a five minute conversation, but it's also not a five month conversation either. Right. It won't take too long to understand what Caleb Brown is good at. It won't take too long to understand how to get, let's say Luke Lachey into space or, you know, that, that he can high point with the best of receivers. And, you know, by the way, he's six, six two fifty thereabouts, right. That won't take until fall to figure out. So the, the, I, I guess you would call it the hard work of designing the offense, figuring out what these guys can do, like figuring out how to put them in position to succeed to begin with, which When's the last time we heard an offensive coordinator talk about that process in Iowa City? Because it's longer than Brian. That process can start on a more or less reasonable time schedule. And hopefully, for Iowa fans' sake, if nothing else, hopefully they never have to hear about another quarterback needing 18 months to learn the system anymore. Because that is... Even if it were good coaching, and by all accounts, it's not. But even if it were, that's a luxury Iowa does not have at this point. The The defense is so loaded with talent and senior talent at that, that this really feels like this is the opportunity for another double-digit win season and a probably an easier, better opportunity than 2025. So they had to get this higher right and insofar as it's february <laughs> there's, there's 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 no other way to prove it now but insofar as it's february this feels like you know kirk kind of got it right lester on that note seems like a guy who has a sense of urgency that was not apparent for what was the first thing that kirk said talking about this timeline I was focused on the bowl game and did some preliminary things over that month for the OC job. And then what happened? You lost by 35 points. So, you know, doesn't sound like that was the methodology that was going to get you where you wanted to be. <laughs> Ultimately, you did hire Lester, but Lester does. And, and that's, you know, as impressive as he was today, that's um, we're in the very early stages. We haven't seen him do anything really yet as impressive as he was now 
one thing I was going to say, and, and then I'll go to you, Ross, apologies, about Kirk and his the way he approached today was I have this quote available right here. It was somebody asked about the RPO and, and more slants and how to incorporate everything that was going on. And Kirk said, I'm open to anything right now. Any ideas. Now, whether or not that's true, we'll see. <laughs> but he did say it. Like, like, give him that, right? Like, This is not something that I was expecting to hear. I was expecting a, we have a way of doing things. We'll act within that box or whatever, you know, something I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but something like that. And he said, I'm open to anything, any ideas. So that was a, that was a major positive to me. If you can, you know, take Kirk at his word at this at, in February, you know? So, I mean, we, we still need to see if October Kirk is going to believe the same things that February Kirk is, is saying. So, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's the million dollar question, but you're right. It is something you'd rather hear it than the alternative right now. So it's something uh, I just wanted to go back to what you're saying about Lester though. And I agreed. I thought one thing that came through and his, you know, his, his, his talk today or his comments was he really seemed like a very hungry coach, you know, a coach that he was on the sidelines last year, but literally not on the sidelines. He was an analyst and he wasn't coaching last year. And before that, you know, the Western Michigan tenure ended not great, as I think he would probably be the first to admit or acknowledge. Um, and then, you know, the Syracuse uh, offensive coordinator, you know, that's that's reasonably distant past now. But, you know, he seemed very motivated from what I could, you know, my opinion of watching him today to, you know, I think he knows this is a big opportunity for him, you know, getting a power five offensive coordinator position. Um, I mean, literally he was, he was rumored for Troy other than Iowa. So this is a pretty significant, uh, <laughs> uh, move uh, on the career ladder. We're talking positively. So, about today, I, <laughs> I know, I know I'm trying to, trying to get there, but I just, uh, yeah. So I, he just struck me as someone who's going to be, I think he seemed very motivated to take advantage of this opportunity. And he knows that to do that, you know, he does need to essentially rescue the Iowa offense. Like it, as, as bad as it's been the last couple of years, it needs rescuing. Like it's, it's bad. And he, he knows that if he can do that, like, I think he'll have opportunities, whether that's, you know, to stay at Iowa as a, you know, an entrenched coordinator, whether it's, you know, something else, who knows, but, you know, if he succeeds at Iowa as an offensive coordinator, that's going to really reshape the narrative around his his career right now um, because that's the reason for a lot of the skepticism for the hire, you know, obviously. So he has a big opportunity. I think he sees that and he seemed really, really motivated to make the most of that opportunity. So, you know, we'll, the devil's in the details and we'll see what happens, but I, I like, I like the way he's approaching this opportunity, this, this job for sure. Ross, you, you said that if he succeeds as offensive coordinator at Iowa, that it opens up opportunities. If he succeeds at offensive coordinator, they're building a statue for him in front of Kinnick. Because <laughs> that's that's basically it that's missing from this team and the highest of the high goals. 
if Iowa has a middle of the pack offense over the last two years and, and personnel sort of took that off the table, regardless of Brian Ferentz, we'll, we'll see that straight off the bat. But if Iowa had an offense that could be middle of the pack in D1, we're talking about a completely different program. We're talking about one that is routinely in the New Year Six or better conversation, or, or I guess now it's going to be all you got to do is be in the top 12 and you're in the playoffs. If Iowa has a middling offense and a Phil Parker defense, that is a perennial, perennial formula for the uh, I must call it the program for the playoff. That's in the Big Ten. If you can do that with Phil Parker, top ten is in the mix every year. So Iowa fans are desperate for something like that. Yeah. Two other things that I wanted to hit on as we're talking about Lester is I I don't know why I didn't tweet this out, but it was a great quote. I think somebody's asked uh, Lester why he had confidence or like belief that they could succeed. And the first thing he said is, well, I love tight ends. Yes. <laughs> You'll be a great fit in Iowa city. When can you start? I'm sure that's how the interview yeah. process went. <laughs> um, you've got a great tight end right now. Luke Lachey. You can do a lot of different things with and Addison Ostranga's on the way up. Who knows what Gavin Hoffman's going to be. And same for Zach Ortworth. Um, and of course, you've got Grant Leeper in the room now, as well as Kale Vanderbush um, and then Michael Burt on the way soon. And a certain recruit we will be talking about momentarily who just committed, Thomas Meyer, four star tight end is on the way from from Clear Lake sooner rather than later. And. So they'll they'll have options at tight end and, and you know, with the personnel, they ran frequently the, the last year, it was 11 personnel in the RPO scheme. That means a lot of blocking for the tight end. So we shall see how how that transpires. If you feel like you want to move Lachey out to that X spot, to the slot, he's a, he's a guy that can do that. Now, Laporta was more so, but Lachey can do both, and you can trust him to do both. So um, a lot of options in the RPO, of course. But uh, so, so the tight end thing was the thing I wanted to mention. And then secondarily, uh, He's going to be up in the booth, which Brian was on the field for like the entirety of his tenure, correct? As OC? Uh, most well, of it, at least. Then, I, don't know. Yeah, I, I know one no. game where he wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say there's there, there's famously one game where he was not on the field. But yeah, he was mostly on the field, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, Lester did say that he preferred being up in the booth as opposed to being on the field, because you can kind of separate yourself from the emotion of the game, see everything that's going on. Uh, so send an Xbox controller up there with him. And, but um, there is something to be said about removing yourself from the emotion of the game. If yeah. you're going to be an offensive coordinator again, not Brian Ferentz 2.0. Yep. Is there any anything else you wanted to hit in that regard, Adam, in terms of him not being Brian Ferentz? I know you got your article on the way, um, which, of course, folks can read right now or soon if they're listening right away, um, soon on, on iowa.rivals.com. Go ahead, Adam. Well, the, 
we touched on it a little bit, but I really do think that, and and I'm not just saying this to to, to blow smoke up the important people's slacks here, but there does need to be a little bit of credit to Kirk Ferentz for sort of providing this environment for Lester to be like, yep, everything's on the table. We're, we're going to make sure that we take care of the ball and, and, you know, there's going to be certain things that, you know, Kirk is always going to be averse to, you know, negative plays, et cetera, et cetera. But RPOs are on the table. Scrambles are on the table. Tempo is on the table. Like, Will will the offense look like all of that every year, all the time? No, and Lester already told us why that's going to be the case. But ultimately, this was a – he talked about a vision for the offense that not only, you know, is going to excite fans, two, is going to excite Kirk Ferentz, but three, he had the leeway to – and he had his coaches back up saying, I'm open to everything, Right. The, the the important thing is to move the ball. And it was, what, three, four months ago at best when we were sitting in that exact same room and we had to hear about how throwing the ball all around was a, apparently antithetical to winning football, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like there, there was this dismissal of all the different ways that you could say move the ball. And now it's back to everything's on the table. That is a step, right? That That's a step back to sanity in its own regard. So it's not only good for Lester to, to go up there and, and say all these things for the fans, but he it really does seem like he has Ference's backing to make this a transformational change. And most of the concerns that we were hearing from fans, especially during the process was he's just going to hire, you know, the next guy who does whatever he wants, you, you know, and, and which was always sort of overblown and cartoonish, but that was the prevailing fear. And it seems like that fear has not come true or at the very least as, as near as we can tell in here again in early February. So there does need to be some, you know, pretty solid acknowledgement of that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I definitely agree. And and hitting on that, um, that point of I'm open to anything, and kind of just puts it all together right there. What you're talking about there, Adam. That's important. Um, there was another point I was gonna make about this situation or the the whole. Uh, bringing in Lester into the fold and 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 moving forward, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, receivers. This was another conversation that was had today. It was the first question that was asked of <clears throat> of Lester. Excuse me, and I'm gonna read the answer here. It's it's in my article as well that you can check out on iowa.rivals.com. Lots of good stuff here from from Lester. He said. Obviously, wide receivers are a huge part what you're running uh, schematically, but putting them in... Oh, I cut off part of my screen here. No matter what you're running schematically, but putting them in position is the biggest key. Through my time in coaching, I think we've been around quite a bit of pretty good ones, and we've been able to find ways to get the ball in their hands. There you go. That's the thing to, to listen to. There's a lot of ways to do that. 
whether it's screens, whether it's straight drop back, whether it's putting them in the backfield, the flexibility of an offense is key. Holy shit. <laughs> we were, Adam, you and I were talking about this right after the presser, and I mentioned something about that and went. Yeah, it's because it is, it's, it's rhetoric that we're not used to hearing. Completely foreign to us. Again, just awful, awful podcasting from us today. <laughs> from me, sorry. Um, people on YouTube are getting a show, though. Anyway, uh, he, he continued and, and said he hadn't met all the wide receivers, but he wanted to make sure that the quarterback understands that we are going to spread the ball around and he's going to read his keys as he's supposed to. It's my job to make sure that one of those first couple options is the guy we want it to be. We had some success with that and plan on keeping it going. Wow. They had two second round picks for wide receivers in his tenure at Western Michigan. What were they out of high school? Two-star recruits. What is Caleb Brown? Former four-star recruit. I believe almost a five-star. If I'm, I, might be, I might be off on our ratings, but I, I should look that up. But continually bringing in three stars. KJ Parker is another one of these guys that you brought in to get the ball and to make plays. He did it routinely in high school. He's one of these 2024 signees. Seth Anderson can be that potentially if you put him on the field. And then in terms of having an X, do we, have we talked about that? Who the hell do we think is going to be the X this year? We, yeah. it's my first guess. Jacob Bostic, you know, Bostic, yeah, if he's yeah. healthy, and and that's you know the number one uh, uh, ability is availability, and if he can put it together, and you know we're, we've seen plenty of guys sort of muddle through year one, two, and even into three, and then really put it together as Hawkeyes, and and the the guys that do put it together, this is the environment that you want to do it in. So we'll we'll see what that competition is. My guess is. It's going to be pretty fluid going into uh, late summer, early fall. Uh, one more thing to add to that conversation, and, and this is sort of uh, just to make sure that everybody understands that with the scholarship situation, that just because Lester comes in, just because Lester's good at receivers doesn't mean that he's going to be bringing in a, you know, a new receiver core through the portal with him. And, our listeners in particular and our subscribers already know that the scholarship situation sort of precludes that to begin with. But one thing that Ferentz said during his Q&A portion that I thought sort of jumped out too, since the wide receiver uh, question came up first with him as well, <laughs> which probably not a coincidence, but he said, uh, I've given a lot of thought to the guys in the room I think we have good potential right now, and really it's about moving those guys forward, seeing the potential, also getting them to see the potential. I think that's probably the most important thing right now. So it's an acknowledgement that the receivers need a lot of coaching, and the goal that Lester and uh, the unnamed wide receivers coach for two more weeks. Who is named uh, on iowa.rivals.com premium board. For those to check out, <laughs> if if you would like to see who it is, and you're not a subscriber, head to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Join us; we'd love to have you. Go ahead, Adam. Promo code Rivals thirty. So that I think it's thirty rivals, right? Oh boy, 
Go Let's ahead. Keep talking. Balance. I'll find it. Keep talking. So that tells me that at the very least, there is an acknowledgement that the way that receivers have been coached up in this offense too, and you can put that at um, Kelvin Copeland's feet, you can put that at Ference's feet, you know, I, I it's probably both of them. That process, at the very least, Kirk Ferentz says, is going to have to change. And some of it, you know, he, he mentions, you know, making sure that they understand their potential too. If you've got three guys dropping more than 20% of their passes, I do think that, you know, confidence is probably, like, some of it's going to be upstairs, but also some of it is coaching for catching. Some of it is, like, make sure your target's as big as possible. Make sure that you're coming towards the ball. Like, a lot of it is technique stuff that we did not see out of these receivers for most of the season, if ever, in 2023, right? So the, the coaching needs to improve, but also the players need to be, I would say, receptive to the coaching. And and that's not to say that it's their fault they were dropping all these passes, but I think they're they're going to need a more positive environment than they were being coached up in to begin with. And the transfer numbers sort of bear that out. Like how many of these guys decided they could not stick around in Iowa City because it just wasn't a great development environment for them, regardless of the stats, although the stats were awful too. But you didn't see these guys improve as receivers until they got out of Iowa City. See Charlie Jones, see Tyrone Tracy. The potential's there they shouldn't have to leave Iowa city to see it realized. And I think that there's more of an, more of an acknowledgement of that from the staff now today, than there had been, you know, starting from 24 hours ago to 10 years ago. Charlie Jones is the epitome of that. By the way, before I get into that, uh, promo code is 30 rivals, three zero rivals. You get your first 30 days free. Do that today. If you want to join us, uh, to uh, be a premium subscriber. You don't want to miss that opportunity. First 30 days, first whole month, $0. Now, Charlie Jones. It's it's only 29 days in this month, so it's more than a month. Can you believe it? <laughs> That's incredible marketing. <laughs> I don't know. Yahoo might be giving you a call to switch roles, Adam. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. um, so Charlie Jones the epitome of what you're talking about here had more receptions than the entirety of the wide receiving core at Iowa last season in his senior year with Purdue. So that is a brutal stat. If you'd like me to continue rubbing the salt in the wound, just keep listening to this until next season. Now, additionally, this will be the last point I make on, on Lester before we, we move on. Cause I got to get out of here. But um, one thing that was brought up on the board is what's going to happen if Cade gets hurt? Well, because it is there. I mean, it's a possibility, right? I mean, it, it's, it's he hasn't played a full season of football in three years, two years, three years. It'll be three and whatever, a long time, two plus years. And the question is, what if Cade's get, Cade gets hurt? Well, Lester more or less, more or less answered it. By saying, well, when I was at Syracuse, our starting quarterback tore his Achilles like the first week or if they're like 20 snaps into the game or something like that. And what did we do? We changed everything. I mean, we changed everything. 
We changed it to what was tailored to the backup quarterback. And that goes back to the first thing we were saying is if Marco Linez gets put in there, there's going to be, a, I mean, an added dimension that we, again, didn't see until Marco Linez saw the field last year, right? It's an added dimension where he can take off. And that's a big added dimension in the RPO. You're not exactly going to see that with Cade. Um, I do trust Cade to make those reads at the line, handoff, pass, whatever. He's just not going to be as much of a threat to run as Marco or James Reeser would be. James Reeser's not going to play for a while. I, he's got to work on that passing, which, by the way, the RPO does simplify things quite a bit in terms of throws um, and, and matching up with coverages and, and such. So, anyway, that was the last point I wanted to make. Other news today in terms of the coaching staff, LeVar Woods interviews for the special teams coordinator position at Tampa Bay. Ross, uh, we were sharing that a little bit with one another. It's on it's on Twitter as well. What were your first thoughts when when you saw that? Uh, I, I guess I was, you know, not shocked, but also, you know, I just think, you know, it would be a huge blow to Iowa's, you know, coaching staff to lose Woods. Obviously, like his his performance with the special teams over the last few years has been. Uh, exceptional and you know, what we've seen out of the punting game out of the return game uh, field goal kicking has generally been extremely solid as well you know that's hasn't really been a week that blocked kicks even you know you, you, we've seen a pretty solid number of those so you know you wouldn't really identify any weaknesses in the special teams and I think that has to go back to to Woods and his work as the the lead coach and coordinator for that unit um so you certainly you would hate to lose him, but at the same time, you know I, I recognize his professional ambitions, and uh, if he's you know wanting more than a special teams coach role at a uh, a college team, it makes sense for him to interview um, for something like this position or to consider these other opportunities. So uh, I I definitely get you know where he's coming from with that that move or that, you know, that decision just to interview even, um, obviously nothing, nothing formalized that, that we know about or anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly hope I was able to retain him because, uh, that, you know, his, the performance of his unit. And then of course, Phil Parker's defense has been, you know, essential to Iowa's success over the last, last few seasons, especially with the offense, you know, struggling as much as it has. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was not not surprised, but it's uh, it would be a big deal if it if he ends up leaving. I should say before we hop over to you, Adam. Here, several other candidates did interview as well. This wasn't just Lavar interviewing and them zeroing in on him. Several other candidates did interview for this position. Um, so it's by no means a oh god, Lavar's gone. Though he ultimately could take the position and move on. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, it was the timing might be a coincidence that this happened on the same day that uh, new assistant head coach Seth Wallace was introduced to the media uh, with uh, Kirk Ferentz right there to uh, usher him in. And, and, you know, might be a complete coincidence, might be just Tampa Bay's own schedule. And that just happened to be the, the right time that it was going to work to get LeVar on a Zoom call. Could be, or it might not be. And that scenario 
Ross, you know, would fit with Woods' professional ambitions, sure. But it would also be a little bit of cold water thrown on a, a lot of the spectacles, not the right word, but a lot of what was sort of put in front of us at the um, interviews today. It was a very congratulatory. It was a very like, oh, I've been Iowa my whole life, et cetera. Well, I've been a Hawkeye since 06, I think was his exact um, uh, term. But, you know, he's been an Iowan for his whole life. And and nothing's to take anything away from Seth Wallace, obviously. And, and, you know, the fact that he's got all these players coming back, the fact that he's got all these linebackers that want to coach or that, that want to play for him specifically and are like willing to tell the NFL to hold off for a year really speaks to, you know, the, the positives that Seth Wallace has. And, and I'm not even questioning the decision, but it is notable that while this linebackers coach is sort of getting the, um, you know, the, the, the nice uh, media tour and, and the nice firm handshakes and congratulations afterwards. And I got to say, he has a great handshake. Special teams is like, what's uh what's the weather in Tampa Bay like these days? Like I get it. And, and this is sort of the sad reality of, you know, coaching and, Hayden sort of selected for it. Hayden Fry, he always, he always said that he wanted coaches that wanted to be a head coach one day. And so if LeVar wants to be head coach one day and all of a sudden here comes uh, somebody else who's now the assistant head coach, which is a pretty big deal and which Kirk Ferentz even said comes along with total trust. You know, when he's saying that about one person, even though the the point is not to single anybody out, like he very specifically said, but when he's in front of a podium and he says that about one single person who gets that one single job title that he's never handed out before, I mean, it's a little bit, or it would be a little bit understandable to, you know, just kick some tires somewhere else. So obviously from an Iowa football standpoint, you don't want to lose a coach like that. But he's also not uniquely irreplaceable there are other good special teams coaches and probably ones who would rather coach for Kirk Ferentz than whatever they get out of their power five head coach I I don't think it would be difficult to replace LeVar Woods from a like production on the field standpoint but it does feel like it would be a loss of some long-standing Hawkeye culture and the timing, again, might be a coincidence or it might not. Uh, either of you guys have a read on that aspect of it? Um, I think, well, there are a couple things that I think should be considered. And the first one is guys interview for jobs all the time. Doesn't mean he's going to get it, one. Doesn't mean he would take it. And three, leverage. Maybe you could, I mean, maybe, maybe it's about a raise. He just saw Phil Parker and Seth Wallace get raises. Uh, maybe it's about saying, hey, like, I want to I wanna move up. 
I, I, I have this ambition. I maybe want to do it at Iowa. Maybe that's what he's saying. And, and, and Seth Wallace got the opportunity, which is awesome. Seth is a phenomenal coach. Um, I, that's been well-established. And I think he's a good guy, too. And in our interaction we had with him today and other interactions we've had before, he's been great. So yeah. it, it doesn't have to be anything that is taken away from Seth Wallace. It can just acknowledge just how damn good of a coach LeVar is. Because he's been good and and he's and he's done well at every position he's been in. Um, the other thing, I'll I'll note that when when we wrap up here, in order to move on to our last segment. So you go ahead here, go ahead head here, Adam. The one thing that I'll just point out is there is also another scenario where him taking this job at Tampa sort of allows him to grow as a coach and still have his eye back on Iowa City if and when the Ferentz. Uh, tenure finally ends he might be a better candidate coming from Tampa than anything that he was going to learn as a special teams coach in Iowa City again that's if he takes the job that's if he's even offered the job right so even if in in that scenario where you know this precedes his departure I don't think it's a panic situation either either for the short term or necessarily the long term. There is there are worlds where this is not or where this where taking this job would not be the end of his Hawkeye story for lack of a better term. So regardless, would it be a big shocking move? Yes, of course. Is it the end of the world for Iowa special teams under no circumstances? Yeah. I almost, I almost pushed back. Hmm. I guess what's, we do have another topic to hit, so I don't want to go, <laughs> I don't want to go uh, too much longer. Cause I, like I said, I got to get out of here, but is there an immediate alternative that pops in your mind for like special teams coach? Is it Seth Wallace? Seth was special. He did say that he had been, uh, you know, coordinating the punt game for a while. He's got the experience. And he he feeds linebackers into special teams with regularity. He told us that too. There is some there. Is, is he a, a a one for run one for one replacement? No, not a chance. And and he's got plenty on his plate. Even more now too. So again, I don't. <laughs> this would not be good for Iowa in the short term, but I don't think it would be necessarily disastrous. Now. The last point I was going to make in order for us to transition, Mason Woods is still at Iowa City West. He's a junior right now. He's got a year left. Does LeVar want to leave Iowa City just before his son is in his senior year of high school where he might not be going to Iowa, where he might be going to Kansas, might be going to Missouri, might be going to Kansas State who just offered him? I mean, they've got one of two tight end scholarships filled 2025 with Thomas Meyer, who we will talk about here momentarily. They've already offered another uh, tight end. They had offered Luca Gilbert, who's a four-star tight end, who's from Ohio, has an Ohio State offer. So, you know, not exactly likely he ends up in Iowa City. But, but the offer's out there. The offer's out there. They've got an offer to Brock Schott who is more 
you know, it, he, he's more likely to play defensive end if he ends up at Iowa as opposed to tight end, but he's a four star and he does both and he's damn good at both. And he just got an offer from Ohio state. So, well, <laughs> and from Penn state. So, and I think maybe Michigan's Michigan's a player. I know that, but anyway, there are other offers out there. There's Eli Johnson who is in river falls, Wisconsin has like three other power five offers and no stars. If I'm Eli Johnson, I take that offer from Iowa and freaking run, man. Unless, like, if you expect things to, to trend upward, maybe you wait it out. But you have the opportunity to go to a place that can almost assuredly say you're going to get an NFL contract one way or another. Um, and so then uh, there's other tight ends coming in 2026. Like, I, I can see a lot of scenarios happening going forward for Mason Woods where he doesn't end up at Iowa. Could he still end up at Iowa? Sure, but not not the way I, I currently it, it, one outweighs the other just based on what we know. So this could be his final year in the same city as his son for the rest of their lives, for all we know, for all he knows. So maybe you have LeVar for another year. Maybe maybe you have him forever. Who knows what happens? But he's interviewing. Things could go a lot of different ways. Now, on to 2025. And on a positive note, they just got two commits. Um, Thomas Meyer, who I just mentioned, four-star tight end out of Clear Lake, Iowa. Excellent get. We had him future casted since June of last year. If you're a premium subscriber, you knew that as well. Um, this was easy to see the writing on the wall. He, his parents are, are uh, um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, season ticket. Season ticket holders, even better. Ace. Season ticket holders. He's grown up going to games. Um, he told me this fall, which again, you would know if you're a premium subscriber, that uh, he had, he'd already been on a visit. And I asked him why he was going on another game day visit. And he said, it's close. To, it's a weekend I had open. And I mean, it's Iowa. That's pretty telling. Um, so Meyer will be a great fit at tight end. His other offers, some of them were at defensive end. Iowa State was was the school that was really pushing for him at defensive end. It would have been between Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State wanted him bad, just like a lot of other schools did across the Midwest, including Wisconsin, including Nebraska, Miami, Florida offered, but it really was Iowa from the jump. Kansas State was in there as well, so was Kansas. So tons of offers for Thomas Meyer. He ends up choosing Iowa. A lot of the, the poor connections to his childhood are important. But you throw in, he, he often mentioned mentality and mindset to me of putting your head down and getting work and as opposed to doing anything flashy. Um, second commit, he was the commit prior to him, was Carson Cooney out of uh, Oswego, Illinois. If that sounds familiar, it's the same city that Noah Shannon is from. Um, he was also friends with 2025 commit Burt Goucher prior to this decision. Those two met this summer at a variety of camps. Now they're moving in together uh, at their freshman year of college. And uh, there's a note about their plans going forward on the premium board as well that folks can check out on iowa.rivals.com. Um, and what else was I going to say about Cooney? The dude is, oh, he's a big guy. He's athletic. They're both, both Burke and him are long. Like, I, I think these two on top of the trio that's in the 2024 class 
and then you throw Ben Keeter in the 2023 class, and who knows what they're going to get in 2026, that linebacker group is going to be loaded. Loaded. You're getting dudes on special teams. You're getting dudes in the middle of your defense. You might have to move Derek Weiskopf to cash or or to, to free safety because of the sheer amount of talent that you got on your roster. Um, and and that is that's a good problem to have. I tell you what, um, Cam Buffington or, or what tight. Coach Wallace would call an inconvenience. Right, exactly. Don't call it a downside. It's an inconvenience. <laughs> Cooney, I think, would be really good at the mic. Burke, I think he might be a cash guy too because he's been playing safety in in high school. He's been playing safety. He's a big safety, but um, he has experience there. He's a former. He's a high school quarterback as well. One of those. Um, so, and, and I'm, I've been impressed with Meyer from every single bit that I've seen him impressed with Cooney, every single bit that I've seen him again, both future casted had Cooney future casted in October, the day that he got offered. So that's another, another name for, for folks to, to be aware of again, premium subscribers knew that right away. So, uh, anything you guys questions, thoughts, concerns, about Meyer or, or Cooney that you guys wanted to bring up since this is kind of my, my shtick as a recruiting analyst. <laughs> I, I've been waiting. So how would you characterize Meyer? Do you, do you think ultimately he's going to be another one of those can split out wide sort of tight ends? Do you think he's going to be more along the line of a, like, I don't know. Is, is he in the Sam Laporta mold to you? I would say he's more of a Luke Lachey mold. Um, one because of frame two, because he is, he does both at clear Lake. They split him out as a wide receiver and they have him on the line. And uh, he, like I said, playing defensive end, that is very conducive playing both sides of the ball as a tight end is conducive to being one of those guys who is a blocker, um, and, and can be aggressive as a blocker. And so, and his pass catching ability, he didn't, when I went out and saw him, he, he flashed it a little bit, his ability to track the ball. Didn't high point it on the, the one that I posted, but there have been videos of him high pointing it. He's good in one-on-one -on -one coverage. He finds the holes in zones. Um, I, I'm a big fan. I think if he was maybe a little bit stronger, um, put up more stats, he'd be closer to a five-star. But they are a very run-heavy scheme in Clear Lake. Um, so they could use him a little bit differently. I actually talked to their head coach about this in the fall again. Random subscribers knew this. Um, man, just doing a phenomenal job of plugging that. Use the uh, code code thirty rivals there on uh, iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Get your first thirty days for free. Um, and so, with that with that said about Meyer, I, I think he's very much in line to be another great tight end at Iowa. Anything else? That's it. Yes. No. Maybe so. I believe that's it, I know. unless you want to go for 15 minutes on Luke Brewer in 2027 while we're talking about tight ends. But I think we're losing the plot at that point. So, I mean, I, where would you rank uh, um, Meyer with uh, with uh, Hoffman, who's part of the uh, 2024 class? They're different tight ends. Hoffman is, is more of that split out, go catch passes. He's going to... I think he's going to have a bit a bit of a learning curve in terms of blocking. I don't believe he had a blocking piece of film on his huddle from this last season. 
um, which is <laughs> is fine. I mean, he's he's ready to roll. He's enrolled early, um, so he's he's in classes and everything like that right now. So Hoffman is going to be the guy that he could essentially play X if he was a little bit thinner and faster. Um, but but he will. I think he'll he'll he really has a ch- chance to be the next great tight end as well. He's a higher three star as opposed to a four star. I thought he should have been a four star on rivals um, just because of that yeah, pass it, catching ability. He's a little bit better um, ball skills than than Meyer, though Meyer still has really good ball skills. Uh, but uh, that's that's part of that receiver past Hoffman prior to playing tight end did play wide receiver. So that's a little bit of. And that probably has a little bit to do with that issue of maybe not necessarily being, you know, known for blocking. Um, also, his vert is freaking crazy. It's like 40 inches. It's bonkers. My, Meyer? Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their skill sets sound very complimentary, so that's a good thing to have, in a, for especially for an offense like Iowa that uses multiple tight ends. So, Bingo. Those are your 12 personnel guys right there. And there'll be more on the way. Of course, Iowa just offered two 2026 tight ends as well that are going to be very good. Spoiler alert. Um, one is going to be in four-star territory. And you can read about a book. They turned Canadian in the last half second. You can read about both of them on iowa.rivals.com. If you're a premium subscriber, you can join us today at Iowa. Not a premium subscriber, rather. You can join us at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Again, we would love to have you join the conversation on the premium boards as well as getting that inside information from myself, Adam, and Ross. We will wrap it up there. We appreciate you tuning into this episode of Hotcast. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button, drop a comment. Let us know what you're thinking about Lester, these new 2025 commits, and of course, LeVar Woods potentially, potentially leaving for the NFL. If you're not a premium subscriber yet, head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Use that code 30rivals to get your first 30 days free. Zero dollars, zero cents. And don't forget to subscribe and leave that rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this pod. We know lots of you are listening on Apple Podcasts, so, so please do that there. We do appreciate it, and it does indeed make us very, very happy. That'll be it from us today on this episode of Hotcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next time.